and welcome to another Scratchcast interview. This time we're here with folk and blues singer-songwriter Vantastic, ahead of the release of his new single, Hangman, which is due out in a few days' time on Friday the 12th of February 2021. So first off, a big thank you to VT for joining us. Um, I don't know if I can call you VT or... Go for it. You, you, I mean, uh, you, can, you can call me whatever it is as long as it's not son or asshole. Uh, um, but uh, I prefer Van or VT. That's those are my two favorites. Awesome. Well, um, we're um, we're both pretty stoked to be um, talking to you. So, yeah, thanks for thanks for agreeing to do this. No worries. Thanks for having me. Um, um, yeah, this has been a while since I've been in a, in an interview with uh, anyone who reviews music. So, <laughs> well, we, we this is only our second one, so we're still yeah. a bit. Um, still a bit of an unknown quantity for us so that um should be fun anyway so i think just to start off um if i can just ask you to give give us a little bit of an introduction to um fantastic you know who who you are and and sort of how you would describe your music um recently i've realized that i probably fall in the category of dark blues and a dark uh country um, so that's usually how I describe myself. My originally way back when I was starting off with this particular act, uh, of VT in, in Edinburgh, uh, I called, uh, it dark Delta blues and I gravitated away from that. And now I'm slowly gravitating back because I'm secretly a goth. Um, and, and I'm, I've decided to let the whole world know I'm, I'm out of the goth closet now I'm out of the coffin ready for ready for everyone to to see and, and find out but yeah i mean i guess i guess i would call it i guess i would call it uh there's another term that i like which is southern gothic um i'm not actually from a really southern state i mean yes but no virginia is like on the cusp that's where the the the, the line between confederates and uh and the smart ones was um uh and i was on the north side of that line thankfully but uh that doesn't mean that you know uh it isn't technically a southern state i guess cool man well you know we we've read online as you said that you were kind of born in virginia and you've described your life as well you were born into somewhat of a kind of nomadic family with a dark past and that you've kind of bust all over sorry busked all over europe so presumably traveling or moving from one place to the next and everything that that entails has always been part of your psyche or rather who you are as a person. Um, yeah. How do you think that's influenced your music and style over the years? You know, that's a good question. Uh, I think uh, it's made me gravitate towards understanding the past, not only my own, but okay. uh, the past of our planet, our world, I guess. Well, obviously more European civilizations because I'm just different shades of dairy. But um, uh, basically an, an, an interest slash uh, obsession with the historical. Uh, I, I, on my, you know, uh, stiff jobs, I worked all sorts of stuff that was related to history or or related to somehow acting because that's another one of my great passions. Right. Uh, um, and so that's, that's kind of uh, where, where all of this comes from. I'd say uh, that 
in my music, I still have a very American aspect to it. Obviously, uh, you, I can't shake this accent no matter how hard I try. Um, uh, and, uh, I, although there's this influence of my youth, uh, from, from all of the sort of American folk music, uh, what ranging from, you know, the early, uh, African-American spirituals and work songs all the way to the more modern, like Hill Country and Chicago blues type stuff and everything that that has, that has been like a rehash of that throughout the more recent decades. Um, I think that I have maybe taken a little bit from Scottish culture, for example, where I lived for quite a while. Uh, I took a little bit from uh, British, uh, like English culture, um, because I was around a lot of people who were into sort of, I guess you would say medieval music. Like I was based in Oxford for a long time and there was a lot of people who were interested in like Tudor chamber music and pre-Raphaelite music and stuff like that. So a lot of strange um scales that we're not used to these days um and an understanding that it all sort of uh doesn't uh, how can i it's relative i guess is what i'm trying to say like our perception of scales today was not our or our perception of music and what is musical today is not the perception of uh our people 800 years ago or you know a thousand years ago where they had a completely different idea of how to sing a song and how to build a song um, so I, I suppose that what it actually made me do is look to the past where there was a steady, constant information flow and, a, a, um, a culture that I could identify with somehow amidst all of these different changes of culture and, uh, settings. Okay, cool. Have you found that some countries are being more receptive to your music than others? I, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I've, I've done all sorts of, uh, music over the years with this specific project of VT and me as, you know, the, the Reverend Van, um, I found Scotland was extremely receptive. You guys are always up for a good sing-along. So that was, that worked very well. Um, the Irish that I have met, I've never played in Ireland, unfortunately, but have also said very much the same thing that that that's very much from their culture too, which is something that we took in the States as well. Um, so we have a lot of sort of standy uppy singy out of nowhere, uh, background in the U S you know, we'll just sort of stand up and sing an old, whatever hymn or something. And the Irish and the Scottish, you guys have that same sort of storytelling type, uh, sing, uh, singing culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so the U S North America in general have been super receptive as well. And South America, very unexpectedly, actually very receptive. Basically a lot of the English speaking cultures that I've played in that might also have to do with my texts, I guess. Um, but I'm building up the catalog of releases that I have and I'm seeing it, that as it's developing, I'm getting places crop up like Russia, the, the Russians seem to love me, which mm-hmm. I did not see coming. Um, uh, and so do the Romanians uh, and the Argentinians. So there's a bunch of cultures in there that really kind of surprised me, but uh, th- I like that. What's been your favorite place to play? I, I miss Edinburgh. I really, really, really miss Edinburgh. <laughs> um, I, I used to play on a weekly basis in a place called the Doghouse. 
which is still on uh, somehow on its feet. I don't know how they're doing it. Uh, but shout out to all of my mates who still work there. The doghouse were some very, very good people. Um, and and it was always a good time playing there because I could basically do whatever the crap I wanted. Can I curse? Of Is that okay? You yeah, okay. Spots, of course you can curse. <laughs> okay, cool. Whatever the shitty tit fucks I wanted to do, uh, <laughs> I did. Um, so I got up on their bar and shouted, belted, you know, the the lines of an old spiritual or something like that. And there was never really any uh, any qualm with that. And then maybe. Uh, I had a really good reception in Germany too. I played in a bunch of uh, art uh, co-ops and just sort of like did an impromptu gig uh, because I knew people who worked in them and it was like, well, are my mates here with a guitar and you know, he's all right or whatever. So uh, I got up and played and people really enjoyed it. Uh, So, so yeah, I would say Germany and, and Scotland so far. New Zealand was a very good reception as well. I, I did a few gigs there um, and I had a lot more fans there that who showed up than I would have expected, but I've, I've not been back since. Um, thanks to uh, Madame, Madame COVID <laughs> and her wonders. Just, um, you just mentioned Germany there, VT. Um, is that where you joined the Green River Burial? Yes. <laughs> My God. Yes, I did. Um, I was with them for like f- four rehearsals and one gig. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. It was an extremely short-lived thing. I was with a bunch of other hardcore bands or uh, like any like post-hardcore type of bands throughout that uh, my time in Germany. Um, but but the Green River Burial went on to be a pretty big deal uh, pretty much immediately after I left the country. And I have been kicking myself in the shins ever since. Um, they did amazing. Uh, and I was really proud to, you know, know them and uh, have them as friends. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to go off and study. And I didn't feel like I could do that in in Germany at the time. Right. Okay. So I went with uh, the UK. Do you see yourself including more of that type of thing in your future projects? Or is that something that we can expect from your upcoming album? If for my upcoming album, not so much. I think okay. people will always be able to sort of like sense, you know, there's like a, a whiff of of metal in what I do. Um, if nothing else, just purely by the DIY approach that I have to a lot of what I do, you know, this suitcase here as a kick drum. Uh, most of my early stickers I would make myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of that that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, I would say if if it were to come, I would probably expect it to show up in other projects that I that I may or may not already have going, um, where drummers and other musicians are involved, and I can get heavy and you know do a little uh, crowd surf or stomp on some heads. As in that? No, that's walk on the headwalk. Headwalk. There we go. Jesus. Goddamn. Yeah. Uh, that kind of fun stuff, uh, jump into the mosh pit, you know, uh, but it's not, uh, I don't, I, I've embraced the darkness of VT with this coming album and realized that I was sort of denying myself that, uh, for a while. Um, and, uh, so there's going to be a little more darkness in what I do, like a little 
more, uh, yeah, eerie sounds, I guess, and stuff like that. Uh, but you will already hear quite a bit of that in my album uh, coming up. Is that something you're still actively involved in then playing with other bands and artists and, or, or is it just kind of VT that you're focused on at the moment or is that something you might do kind of in the future as well? Um, at the moment, it's really just VT. Uh, there are side projects that every so often I'll go and, you know, hang out with a friend who's a drummer or a friend who's a bassist or whatever and we'll 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 come up with stuff um but th- most of these people are because of you know my tendency to travel all over the place sort of scattered to the four corners of the earth right so um yeah not not any not uh, in not in the next few years i would say um uh but i i also like to dabble in every genre so um I've, I've, I've worked on some hip hop with some friends. Uh, I've, I've, I really don't, I don't see genres as defining. I, I think so much as the style in which you do that or the message, which is behind it, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think definitely some of the best music comes when those genres completely overlap and you can't really tell, you know, what, what it's supposed to be and it's something entirely different that's when when music can be is it's most exciting so that's really interesting um so kind of our first introduction to your music was um well at least mine was from when we reviewed ain't no man with money on the on the podcast which is a kind of it's got that sort of lo-fi crusty folk and blues sound which which is right up my street um and uh, it's got quite quite a simple music video. It's almost like a travel diary, but it ends with this kind of gruesome picture of your bloodied face. What what's the story behind that image and and this and and that song as well? So I wrote the song when I was uh, in a in a massive financial rut, um, and I was uh, looking at and watching a lot of old blues videos as well. Uh, and specifically one of my favorite artists w- who plays very much in that style that I was playing is called R.L. Burnside. Um, and he was from the Fat Possum crew. Uh, so uh, Junior Kimbra, uh, Model T Ford, uh, and, and, and a lot of guys who are from the sort of same area as I'm from, uh, like uh, the Appalachian Mountains, basically. Um, uh, and uh so i i i was watching these videos and going man i i see this and i feel this and i just sort of started writing semi-inspired by me and semi-inspired by these videos of rl burnside sitting on his porch with like 25 children um and grandchildren and they're playing the other instruments and he's playing a guitar and singing and uh and the the cause for all of that uh, lack of money and lack of work was actually because I had a gigantic uh, piece of metal go through my face here all the way up to here um, when I was cycling in the Netherlands uh, and I it was late at night and I was tired and I'd come home from a long shift at the bar I was working and someone nudged me and I was cycling without my hands 
uh, and one thing led to the next and I sort of, uh, called, uh, the hospital un- incapable of speaking for myself, uh, because I just sounded like a slurring drunk. Um, and, uh, the woman, it was about to hang up on me. And the, this, the, one of the people who lived around there, like came out and said, Hey, this dude is actually bleeding quite a bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I ended up at the hospital and, uh, I've, I've got, a around 10, 11 stitches, uh, here. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was actually sort of part of my experiences so far in the Netherlands as well. And, and what led to writing that song or finishing that song. Cool. Okay. Um, I mean, there's, there's stuff in the song, um, about kind of throwing off your material possessions and finding enjoyment and, in the sort of important things in life, friends and family, that kind of thing. Is there anything that, you know, if you were to kind of throw all your stuff away, is there any one thing that you couldn't go without, one thing that stayed with you throughout the course of all your travels? Any given musical instrument, pretty much, would would be the hardest thing for me to part with. Um, I had an upright piano in, in my last place, which just came with the house basically. Uh, and we, we had to, we had to leave it there. Uh, we had to sell it off actually. Uh, cause the, the guys moving in didn't want it and, uh, we couldn't keep it. So, uh, the, and that was, that was, that was a, a heartbreaker cause I love any sort of musical instrument. Um, but I, I think, uh, I also really like all of my, uh, my uh, sort of these these type of secondhand vintage finds that I that I spend my life looking for, uh, you know, like this morning jacket or uh, these uh, these morning pants that I wear or this hat, which is uh, a hand me down from an old place I used to work at. Um, but yeah, I think those those would be the hardest things for me to give away because these aren't things that I bought from a store as such. It's like the rare lucky find in the one vintage place that you did not expect to find this hidden treasure. Um, so yeah, those would be the hard things for me to part with. Mm-hmm. And maybe my computer, which has been the, the, my best friend for all of things, editing and, uh, and, uh, and music, uh, music recording related. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get a chance? Well, you, pro- I imagine you probably did go to the, the Armstrong vintage store in Edinburgh. <laughs> that's where i got this nice um i think i might have gotten these morning trousers as well from the armstrongs but i don't remember which one mind you yeah armstrongs are an amazing place uh i went there all the time uh but there's there's a bunch of unsung heroes around edinburgh as well that sell some amazing stuff that people don't really go to as much um and usually those are actual charity shops rather than vintage um, and I have to say, if given the choice, I prefer to shop in charity, uh, simply because of why it's there and what they do. Um, but you know, uh, generally speaking, I, I source most of my clothes secondhand. I don't, I don't buy my shirts secondhand, uh, or, you know, uh, some of my ties or whatever socks and underpants, but a lot of my, uh, a lot of my wardrobe is bought secondhand, which is also why uh, in my lyrics in Ain't No Man With Money, I talk about how been handed down all of my things, um, which is very much uh, actually true. 
and uh, all of the fancy rings that I wear as well. Like that's all found in, uh, um, what's the word flea markets or, you know, uh, vintage fairs or stuff like that. Uh, I, I rarely buy them new. Cool, man. Yeah. Obviously, VT, you mentioned your computer there and you've kind of relied on that quite heavily recently What with everything kind of going on um, to do editing. And obviously, you've got the Church of Fantastic live stream that you do every Thursday. Um, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about how COVID has affected you and your art and how that outlet has helped you through? Sure thing. Um, I think for starters, it has really forced me to... Uh, forced me to reconsider the way that I interact with the other side of the camera um, and forced me to find creative and, uh, you know, otherwise maybe unexplored ways to interact with uh, my audience and my fans. Because, well, in Edinburgh, a lot of what I did was very much um, live gigs. And Edinburgh has very much a live gig culture same as really a large part of the uk you know it's very much there's live music in the pubs in, in the evenings and stuff like that and it, it it doesn't that doesn't really change um what's harder is figuring out a way to really live off of your own music um and making that sustainable and i think that's where covid has pushed me um because i sort of drifted away from music quite a bit uh, upon moving to the Netherlands. Um, and I moved here as a result of, uh, everything that was happening post Brexit in the UK. Um, and, uh, just the, the uncertainty of what that meant for me as a self-employed non-British person, um, or, or Scottish. Um, uh, but I think um, interacting with people, maybe uh, trying harder to interact with people on a, on a digital, on a virtual level, uh, and coming up with ideas like the church of fantastic, because that was, that was actually what, uh, my, my nights at the doghouse in, in, uh, in Edinburgh on, on South Clark, or was it Nicholson that, that long street that goes from the South bridge, uh, that's what they ended up being called. So it was sort of an illusion as well to what, what I used to do in, in, in Edinburgh and how, how much of a community that became. Uh, yeah. So, so I would say that it has forced me to focus more inwards uh, and on how I want to present myself to uh, the uh, audiences at large. Cool, man. Oh. Um, so as you're kind of well aware, probably, um, in the UK, the government support for musicians and artists has been laughable, to say the very least. Uh, with yes, yes. Chancellor basically telling people to retrain and find new jobs. How has the support in the Netherlands been compared to the UK, or has it been pretty much just as bad or non-existent? Um, I have to say, I uh, support for artists, I don't know that there's been much. Right. Um, there... Uh, there is a better infrastructure in general in the Netherlands when it comes to those sorts of things. The Dutch are more socially oriented than the, than the Westminster government. Um, that's not to say anything about, uh, you know, the Scottish government, because 
generally my experience with Scotland on a, on a political level is that it's a lot more socialist or a lot more, you know, socially minded than, uh, the, the South of the UK. Um, so I would say, uh, as far as I know, and to be very honest, at the start of the pandemic, I still was on furlough slash had a, you know, job. Um, uh, there wasn't much support for artists, but there was quite a bit of support for independent businesses. Right. Okay. Um, so people who fell in the category under the category of self-employed. And I think that a lot of musicians here you would find, uh, were uh classified themselves as self-employed and were registered and you know thoroughly uh engaged in everything that that involved um but for me it hadn't been something that i was doing on a very regular basis so um i didn't really get into that too much okay yeah so with that in mind how do you think the best way for people to support music musicians and artists is at the moment uh, <laughs> um, it's tricky. Uh, it really depends on the artist and what their, what their suggestions of support are, you know? Um, I think that maybe I would say, uh, even just like for people who are out of a job and people who don't have uh, anything going for them, financially speaking right now, just being on social media and retweeting, uh, reposting, sharing, liking, commenting, tagging your pals or whatever in, in, in an artist's posts that you really like is so amazingly helpful already because um, it, 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 forces, it forces you out of the reach of the sort of limited few that you have uh, and, and puts you in front of the eyes of, you know, the, Lot more and more people as the as the sort of graph goes down and it splits here and splits there and you know what five people tag two friends and then they tag two friends and before you know it you've got an easy hundred new fans or whatever um so that that's amazing um i've i have a bunch of friends who have the the same thing that you guys have the buy me a coffee thing um that's pretty helpful from what I understand. Um, there's, there's a system of PayPal donations, uh, which I've started on, on my Spotify. Um, but people aren't super able or willing to give at the moment because it's not exactly a thriving time for most. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think on a, on a super easy, very ground level, just religiously share comment like post and repost everything that your favorite bands uh do because that gets them uh in front of others and if they have any kind of merchandise or if they're offering any kind of like subscription services to something that enables you to get uh like m more in-depth content or, or or things like that that's also that's also pretty good and pretty helpful yeah, it's 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 important to like if you do have like a, a favorite band or like a really artist you're really into, it is important to just try and support them if you can. Um, I spe I mean, especially if you're if you're sort of getting their music from Spotify and stuff like that when it's not quite so um, financially um, 
uh, buoyant, I suppose, for one of a yeah. better word. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you've you've said previously that you you believe in giving at least some music away for free. You still feel that that's um, you know in this kind of current climate, do you still feel that way? Oh yeah, I I, I think I. I don't think I ever won't um, with the, the style of music that I do uh, and the background that I have um, like you traveling so much, you like learn to make friends with people really quickly um, and you learn to establish connections. And one of the most amazing ways to do that is through any sort of participative medium. Uh, so be that music, be that art, be that dancing um, any sort of interactive type of thing immediately gets gives people a common shared experience. Like you have this sort of collective consciousness that's all of a sudden, you know, uh, brought into existence by doing stuff like that together. Um, and folk music does that too. Uh, and, and blues is a type of folk music. Um, uh, or at least as far as I'm, uh, there might be people who disagree with me, I guess, but, but they can, you know, bye-bye. Um, um, it, with folk music, there's an element of participation. There's an element of interaction. There's an element of, uh, th th no one is rejected. No one isn't welcome. If you want to, if you want to sing the music, if you want to play the instrument, if you want to somehow join in, as long as you're not, uh, you know, a total obnoxious sack of shit, then you're more than welcome to join in. And uh, even if you're a bad singer, if your rhythm isn't great, it doesn't really matter. The, the point is it's, it's about the experience that's shared together. Um, so that also includes for me giving away my music for free. Um, now I did that on Bandcamp, but Bandcamp kind of don't really allow you to do that unless you have a special membership. Um, so people still have to pay like something. Um, but I, and I also think that there's something in it for musicians as well that a lot of musicians don't realize, which is just, it gets your music out there. It gets people to download it and to listen to it and to, you know, share it with others because if it's available for free, uh, and if you can like own it, like if you can have a copy um, then, then you can listen to it more often. But I also think on the other hand, that the things like streaming services have sort of killed that need for ownership of music. Um, not a lot of people really own, uh, digital music nowadays. If, if they do, it's, you know, hard copies, uh, whether it's cassettes, CDs or, or vinyls. Um, and, and, and that kind of stuff, it's very hard to give away for free unless you have a serious piggy bank behind you. Um, but, but I do, I do still think that music is a, a, a gift that makes me happy just as much as other people who are watching and listening because it's such a transformatory uh, experience. Just to, to go back to what you were saying there, VT, about this kind of collective consciousness. Um, yeah. I get the impression that you're very much an artist that lives for that kind of live experience. I've watched a couple of your videos where you played in, I think it would have been small venues in Edinburgh, um, I think as part of, is it so so far? Yeah, 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 so far, yeah. Yeah, 
Um, how do you think the live experience will be affected going forward off the back of the global pandemic? And what what do you make of it all? I, I mean, it's going to be a while until gigs can happen at all, right? Yeah. Like, um, I reckon people are going to, people are craving for it. Like, like it, it is genuinely a missing part of, of, of human experience right now. That, that, that common experience, what, whatever gig people go to from freaking prehistoric, you know, early man music, whatever, a bunch of dudes hidden bones together uh, and chanting uh, all the way to the most modern complicated uh, fuck off jazz, you know, um, and anything in between when you're sitting in that, that room together, listening to this person, you're all somehow there's, there's a little spark that, that jumps between everyone. Um, and people are missing that. And, and you can see it by videos, like all sorts of viral videos of, you know, someone puts on this random song in the street and everyone starts dancing or whatever. Um, and you see those things and you're like, this is part this is an extremely important part of of our humanity that we're no longer able to exercise uh at our at our you know leisure um so i think uh people are already sort of fighting back against it but i i don't want to say it like that because it's not a it's not a fight there they're like there were protests recently in the netherlands and everyone went out to protest the curfew that the government decided to uh, put into place, which starts at 9 p.m. Um, I have I'm I'm also part French, and I spent a long time in France, and I spoke to some of my friends in France, and they were like, "Our curfew is at 6 p.m., dude. What are the Dutch complaining about?" Um, and, and so having a protest about this and getting all together huddled up close and you know throwing stones at the police also really isn't a solution. Um, so. We're trying, I think we're all collectively trying to find how we can recreate at least, you know, just like a smidge, a semblance of that feeling. And I think that doing live gigs like I've been doing is, is at least seems to be working to some extent. Um, I've noticed that slowly but surely the, the audience that I have that are following and listening have been growing. Um, I've also been, you know, making adjustments to get a better sound so that people can get a, like a more realistic experience when listening. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think honestly that it's going to be before the end of this year, perfectly realistically before massive venues, even small venues, anything that's not a private gig, basically where it's harder for the government to put in regulations uh, is not going to be possible until the end of the year. And and if it is, it's not going to be possible for the little guy because uh, all of the big bands who have the good bookers, who have the good agents, will have booked all the slots at any festival. And they're going to be, you know, limited numbers anyway, limited admittance, spaced out somehow. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think that smaller venues and smaller uh, artists are really going to have a shot at it before 2022, which is amazingly depressing to say, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I hope it's not. 
I hope I hope we get to start before then. But I think we're all just uh, in shock yeah. silence, Sarah. Quite quite deflated after that. <laughs> but you're absolutely right, man. You're right. Unfortunately, I I uh, I think sometimes my realism is extremely bleak, which probably is why my music is so dark and eerie in the first place. Um, I but yeah, I mean, I have a tendency to to really say stuff as it is without any sort of polish. Uh, um, and uh, I don't, sorry. <laughs> right. not I think it's important to be realistic about this kind of thing, not, not try to be, um, I mean, it's good to be positive, but but not being unrealistic about things is is definitely good. Yeah. I suppose that, that's probably a good segue of sorts into another question that we've got for EVT. And that is uh, mental health seems to be a reoccurring theme in your music um, and from things that we've read about you online on your bio page, for example, you mentioned issues with domestic violence, homelessness, anxiety and depression. How have you been keeping your safe, yourself safe during these strange and uncertain times? Have you got a regime um, for keeping your mental health in check? It's it's been ups and downs. I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. Um Going out, go, I, I often try to go on walks with friends where it's just sort of me and them uh, walking around the city or something, having a coffee, uh, hashing it out about whatever within, you know, safe distance still. So we're not like making out or whatever. Um, uh, but, uh, um, well, I mean, the homelessness is, is a while back now. Like that was, uh, that was, uh, sort of a result of, of all of the, the domestic violence in the first place, uh, which mostly came from my parents. Uh, and I don't say I, all of it came from my parents. I don't know why I said mostly. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was the, the homelessness was a result of basically my exile from the parental home, uh, which, which was no longer very safe. Um, so that's, that's far behind me now. But uh, in terms of, uh, you know, mental health, like uh, uh, chronic depression um, and stuff like that, I think just really trying to get out the house for whatever, whatever fucking reason. Like if you have to, uh, oh, I I need to go tie my shoelaces. Oh, I'll go tie them outside. You know, (laughs) whatever, like the most, um, uh, the most, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, oh Christ. Um, Banal? yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is, I, yeah, that's the French word too. And I confused myself there for a second. Um, yeah, the, the most mundane, that's the word I was looking okay. for. Most mundane thing can be an excuse to get out the house, uh, just to go for a walk around the block, do some urban exploring, whatever, you know? Um, and trying to cook a lot at home i enjoy cooking uh so so i do a lot of cooking at home um and playing music you know uh, even if uh it's difficult to play it with people that's obviously not something that is really part of my act any uh, this fantastic uh as such so i just you know i'll pick up my guitar and just noodle around for uh, an hour or two um, that's always how you, how I come up with ideas personally anyway. So I often record the sessions and kind of see what I, what I come up with. And then the, the, the weekly sessions, the, the church of fantastic on Thursdays is an amazing, like 
a breath of fresh air to like just interact with the audience and, and people um, getting to, to see and hear how everyone's doing. Uh, you know, even just a little wave at me is already pretty nice. Good. Man. So just to kind of go back to your traveling um, VT. So is your traveling been largely circumstantial or, I mean, obviously you're in Utrecht just now. Do you think you're settled in Utrecht just now, or do you think you will go on and travel again? Oh, uh, I'm I'm a I'm a serial traveler, okay. uh, so uh, it's it's definitely going to happen again. My uh, my better half is is from New Zealand, uh, so so that's probably in the cards at some point in the future, however near or far that future may be. Um, but definitely, I mean, for sure. Uh, and, and, and yes, the traveling was circumstantial. Uh, my parents had, uh, work in, uh, in big uh, multinational companies that, uh, allowed them or required them to move around. So, uh, I moved with, um, and eventually, uh, carried on moving, uh, once I had separated from that environment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so moving to the UK to study, uh, and then getting very fed up with Oxford and its stuffiness and moving to Edinburgh, uh, for uh, a little more, uh, Scottish, uh, jo- joviality. Um, and then moving to the Netherlands was really just a necessity. Um, unfortunately, uh, my, uh, my partner couldn't get any sort of a visa. Uh, and so, uh, we had to make a choice as to where we wanted to go. Uh, and, and, and the Netherlands seemed like a, first of all, a, a geographically speaking, quite a, quite a decent option. Cause you can just sort of go anywhere very easily within Europe. Um, and also, uh, there's a fair amount of English speakers here. Um, and generally speaking, uh, pretty friendly environment for non native Dutch speakers or people who don't speak Dutch at all to still be able to find some sort of work. Uh, Corona has fucked with that quite a bit. Uh, a lot of the people who came here who didn't speak Dutch were in more, um, less, less, uh, you know, how do you say that qualified jobs, I guess, jobs that require less, uh, higher education or, or no higher education. So those are usually the jobs that have been struck by, by this sort of stuff. Um, and, and that includes the bar world in which I was. Uh, so most, you know, all bars are shut and if they're doing anything, it's just deliveries and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely going to travel again and you are right. Mostly out of circumstance, a little bit out of desire and probably all completely because I'm addicted to traveling. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so hangman is out in a few days time. Um, yes, and um, it's got this kind of almost post-apocalyptic western kind of sound to it, and it's it reminds me. It's got like a sort of dark cinematic sound that reminds me of um, from Dust Till Dawn. It's got that kind of vibe to it. Um, you're you're and- pressing all the right buttons, my friend. <laughs> and um, so it's a, it's a really cool track, and um, there's obviously um, a video to come that goes along with it. Um, you've made videos for the likes of Drag Me to Hell and Ain't No Man With Money, but how big a part does that play in the concept of your music? Is it is it a kind of 
afterthought or or is it a more integral part so when i this is a tough one uh when i write a song i i come up with there's almost a bit of a universe that goes with it so it's never really verbalized as such until it comes time to uh um to make a, a music video um and drag me to hell the initial video that i made uh i i pretty much immediately regretted uh i think we've taken it down everywhere now um there's a new version of drag me to hell coming out in the new album uh which is much more similar to the way that i play it live and i also the way i picture it in my head um and shout out to the animal farm who is the studio that i recorded that with in london uh and matt lepanen who was the sound engineer and producer on that is an amazing human being he's he's fucking hilarious and he also i came into the studio he heard one song he was like right i know what we're doing and immediately he had like this million of suggestions and basically he allowed me to play everything live like i would because that's how i know the songs because for me playing them without playing them live feels kind of detached like weird um but back to your question sorry uh so it doesn't come with an idea of a video clip, but it comes with sort of a universe that I conceptualize around it. So Hangman in my head was sort of talking about my uh, troubled past and some of the dumb things I may have done. I didn't like, you know, I'm not a war criminal or some crap, but um, I, you know, people that I might have hurt or, 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 or uh, lack of consideration for friends or whatever. And then thinking about, um, uh, like trying to put myself in the shoes of someone else altogether. Um, like uh, the idea behind Hangman was basically a reformed criminal who somehow has had like an epiphany moment, realized that he's a total asshole and wants to make good for it and apologize to everyone uh, and, and face his fate, which is the Hangman. Um, and so obviously for me, that immediately was Western. I was like, okay, Western. And I heard when I came up with the riff that the, I'm just going to play it so that we have it in mind. But when I, I went, oh, that's not tuned. I'll play it on my other guitar. It's a good thing I have two because I, I just, I went. And I was like, okay, that sounds immediately when I had that riff in mind, I thought Ennio Morricone, I thought Link Ray, I thought all of those sort of guys and that, you know, sort of that type of warble that you get from tape delay or, or uh, whatever else they use to, to slap back and stuff like that. So for me, I heard that and I was like, this has to be some, some sort of Western in my head. And then when it came time to make a video clip about it, I actually made the video clip myself with the help of uh, my partner. So I directed it, she filmed it, and then I edited everything together. Um, and I took a lot of pieces from old Westerns that are no longer copyrighted. So public domain footage, um, the main one being Blue Steel, which is a John Wayne film worth a watch if you if you haven't ever seen it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so so and then I sort of just started creating the universe around it and the limitations of the current period in time in which we are meant that I had to get a little creative with how I could create the story 
of the hangman and the um the universe the 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 idea that i had of this song in my head and put it out there in front of everyone else for them to be able to see and the easiest way to do that was to uh use old old footage and then there happens to be a desert in the netherlands i know uh very weird and uh we went to the desert and we recorded a bunch of footage there of me in this outfit just standing around and uh looking like a, a menacing outlaw or a hangman um and that was that and then everything just you know was sort of a question of how do i edit it together and stuff but so in a very very succinct way to answer your question there is always a story with it but it never comes at per se as a, an idea for a video clip i just ended up uh verbalizing if you will the the full concept and the 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 back thought that had gone into the the composition of that piece and somehow managing to create it in a in a in a visual sense for people cool you mentioned um you obviously mentioned sort of western cinema there that there's that kind of cinematic sound is present on you know some of your other recorded material um you can hear that on Drag to Hell, which has got a bit of a, a sort of alt rock twist to it as well. But and there's elements of blues and soul, and sort of sounds of the Underground Railroad on, especially on on Ain't Got Nothing on My Father, which, which is pretty much a sort of chain gun uh, chant. So yeah, it is. Yeah, kind of. What other factors, like inside and outside the realms of music, and inspire you and influence your songs? You I mean you've talked about this a wee bit already, but um more and i suppose i'm more leaning towards the sort of cinematic edge of that cinema indeed is probably one of one of my biggest uh influences actually um i i i i mentioned a little bit i did a bunch of acting uh in the past and and every so often i still go back to doing some acting um i've always loved performing on stage regardless of what kind of performance we're talking about uh, any any you know installational like performance art uh, any uh, actual theater or cinema or stuff like that um, and music uh, all of these sorts even even dance any any of that kind of stuff always uh, for me there's there's that lovely that wonderful uh, collective experience that I was talking about that you get out of that uh, and and this amazing thrill and the the rush of adrenaline. Uh, which is, you know, maybe like bungee jumping or stuff like that. But there, there's not much that's comparable to it uh, that I've experienced. Um, and uh, pretty much all of my music somehow has a cinematic approach to it. Um, I don't I don't know that it's intentional, but I have a sort of cinematic approach to life in general. Um, so I, 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 uh, I guess, I guess without meaning to be, it is, um, a lot of what I think of in music conjures up then images in my head of, so with, with drag me to hell, I guess I pictured, um, drag me to hell was a tricky one for me because I sort of wrote it I, like most of my songs. I wrote it off, off, off the cuff. Like I just sort of picked up a bunch of chords and went, oh, they sound cool together, uh, and uh, f figured some lyrics out over it. 
um, and then the words that seem to somehow match the mood of the of the chords or of the melody you're playing. And then and then you you develop on that theme, like you have like a light motif to be an extreme pedant. Sorry, um, but uh, I think no matter what I do, there's always a cinematic approach to it by default. Um, the, 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 the clothes that I wear when I perform are always some sort of a, um, performance. Uh, and, and the, the whole idea when I started fantastic was really as a performance, I wanted to bring back old blues, the blues of the blues, you know, uh, the, the chain gang type stuff, the, the stuff that has taken a space that not even many blues people know and recognize nowadays, because now it's just all sort of people noodling extremely fast on a guitar. Um, and whilst I respect the technical prowess behind that, for me, there's no comparable sensation to that of hearing a bunch of dudes who are miserable in every way, shape or form, smacking a hammer against a piece of metal and wailing like, that is power at its like deepest and and darkest, but also at its you know most uh, touching, um, because you feel that with them when you're listening to those old recordings. You you you're there, um, and you picture that kind of stuff. You picture uh, exactly that. You know, a bunch of guys smacking a gigantic sledgehammer against some uh, uh, spikes uh, that they're driving into the into the railroad tracks or. Um, cutting the cotton um but yeah cutting the cotton picking the cotton um you can see how much cotton picking i've done in my life um but that's that was the whole point when i started off fantastic in the first place was um a sort of darker approach to blues i guess inspired by edinburgh in in large part uh because edinburgh has such a an amazingly uh eerie past or at least it's sold to us as that because that's kind of the the marketing techniques of the city but but i love it i i love that uh that gothicness um and to and, and a lot of people who are interested in in history and interested in in the past uh have uh at least uh, you know more more um more realism if not slight pessimism about the future because they 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 see how it's already happened and you can see it happening again or whatever. So there's a there's a dark element to to an interest in history and to to diving back in history. Maybe I don't know. I'm also just riffing. Feel free to you know shut me up or whatever. Have you um have you heard just out of interest? Have you heard of the band um, Zealand Ardor? I, I it was it was only a question of when, not of if. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, I have. Um, I the, the I had never heard of them until someone once compared me to them, and I thought, huh, I like their name, and I went and checked them out, and I was like, huh, I do sound, I do, yeah, I get it, I get why people think of me when, uh, or think of them when they hear me, or me when they whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really like what they do uh, because obviously they clearly have a much more obvious mixture of metal and blues, albeit black metal rather than hardcore. But it's still, you know, just another child of rock, which is another child of blues. Um, so 
yes, people often make that comparison. Uh, and, and I'm always flattered because they're an amazing band. Um, and, and I really like, it makes perfect sense to me as well from on a, on a musical level, like the, the scales of black metal are often very minor, uh, intentionally to, to, you know, vehiculate that angst and that like, uh, sorrow, that tryst, um, and uh, so it makes it makes sense, and I'm always flattered. Cool, and That's I like that. Yeah, yeah, great band. I was just interested, in it. um, <clears throat> just interested to see if you tired of them. Um, so, is there anything that anything else that you've kind of been listening to recently that you're into, or or that has that has influenced your sound? Um, or not, but just anything that you that you're, you've been into. Uh, let's see. Uh, recently, I've been listening to to really all sorts. Um, I today I've been listening to a lot of John Baptiste, who is uh, an American jazz musician. Uh, I, I grew up with blues, rock and roll, and jazz. Those were like the, my parents' main genres. So I always sort of gravitate back towards them. Um, and I, in my sets back in Scotland, I used to play like a lot of uh, sort of early big band jazz, like um, Ella Fitzgerald and, uh, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Polish-American composer. He wrote Porgy and Bess. Can't help you. <laughs> Can't help you. Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, Gershwin. God damn it. I got it. George Gershwin. Uh, and all of that, all of those kind of guys from that era. Um, uh, so I, I often gravitate back towards those genres. Um, I've been listening to a lot of, of Southern Gothic and, and dark folk and dark country recently because I'm trying to get to know the other people who are in within my genre a little better now that I've realized that I I am in that genre, uh, in, despite myself, I guess. Um, and uh, there's also a few bands that uh, that I really like and that I listen to fairly regularly, like uh, Left Lane Cruiser. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them. Um no, they're 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 pretty amazing. Uh, they're very similar to my first single, so they're very much hill country blues with uh, an even like eh, like C Six Steve, eh, but more energetic. Uh, uh, so they they have like heavier drum parts and stuff like that. I've been listening to a lot of. I always like bands that are somewhere in the realm of metal, doom, sludge and blues and, and managed to hybridize that. I really love all them witches. I never don't listen to all them witches. Uh, and, and, and if you guys don't know them, I recommend them. Uh, Black Pistol Fire. I watched a bunch of their sets recently. Um, cause they're a two piece, uh, band and I really like their, it's like unhinged Chuck Berry, little Richard rock and roll. Like if, if they went crazier, I don't know how that would be possible, but if they went crazier than, than they already did musically speaking, uh, back then, then, uh, then black pistol fire would, would, uh, would, would be that. Um, and who else? 
bunch of smaller artists that do this kind of stuff. There's a guy I really like called Coulter Wall. Um, and he's actually Canadian. Uh, another dude from the U.S. called The Bones of J.R. Jones. Um, and he it's, he's a tough one. I, I wouldn't know how to describe it. Um, uh, but it's sort of dark folk and sort of uh, like electro pop. It's a very, <laughs> very weird fusion. Um, uh, but it really cool. Um, who else? Rainwolf. I fucking love Rainwolf. Rainwolf, if you're out there, hit me up. Um, I he's he's amazing, and I uh, I listen to him very often as well. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's about it. If I yeah. if I can think of any more, I'll I'll tell you. Oh, yeah, let let like just send us stuff over if you think there's Absolutely. stuff you might think that we're interested. I can't Actually, talk. there's I have a, a playlist that has pretty much everyone that's kind of in any way similar to me on Spotify that I created called 10 a.m. Automatic. And I'm on there, but there's loads of other artists like the ones I mentioned and Zealand Arter and and then other artists that sort of inspired me somehow, maybe not by their genre, but by their message or by what they do. Like everyone has been going on about the idols and I am also one of those many uh who have who love what they do uh and then uh, bands like maybe uh the chats if you guys know them or or viagra boys uh yeah, they're all boys, uh, man. yeah that's one of our favorite bands we we've we've yeah we've covered we've covered them quite a lot probably the most we've covered on the the podcast i would say which band viagra boys oh yeah yeah they're uh, <laughs> they're so good man yeah, great band. Short shorts. <laughs> Such a great song. And the fact that you have a saxophone in a punk band makes me very happy. That that's that takes some doing. And uh and they do it well. I think it's the fact that the saxophone sounds a bit like a caged beast. Um it always helps. Yeah, definitely. And uh, speaking of saxophones, actually, I, I recently went on a small binge of a band from New York called Too Many Zoos. Oh, yeah, I, I haven't seen them, but my my, um, my girlfriend, her friend, went to see them a couple of years ago in Edinburgh. And, they, and wow. I've, seen, I've seen them. There's a really good video of them on, the I think, the New York subway or something. Um, and they're sort of getting on and off of the subway trains. As, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. They, they released one very recently. Um, where they're playing in uh, like a park on on the side of 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 the of the river, uh, like on the riverbank, um, and they're all sort of in those circles that have been drawn in public parks in the U.S. You know, to space yourself out between uh, between uh, groups, and uh, and it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, definitely too many zoos as well. Cool. I suppose it's um, the thing that's left to ask is kind of really what what's next for for VT. There's obviously the album coming. Um, yeah. I mean, is there a rough time scale for that? And and do you know what what will happen? What's next once that's out in the world? Uh, there's not really a time scale. The aim is middle of middle of this year. 
Um, but it is, yeah, we've sort of been uh, putting it on hold and then resuming it because of everything that's going on. Um, so, for example, uh, to be perfectly honest here, I think I would have wanted to release Hangman a little sooner. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, all sorts of uh, job losses and stuff like that um, have meant that we were coping with, you know, how do we live on no money first? Um, we're, we're doing all right. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was, uh, that became a priority and we sort of forgot about, uh, hangman for a bit. Uh, but I would say the aim is hopefully for around June. Um, if not sooner. Uh, we have one more single that we're going to release, which is going to be the the new and improved "Drag Me to Hell." So, rather than a demo, this is going to be the proper uh, the proper thing. Um, and uh, you'll probably notice a little bit of a thread throughout my style of video clip directing. I like black and white. I like heavy grain. I like a, a lo-fi type of thing. Um, and uh yeah so so uh, album release uh the the next single which is drag me to hell probably in about two months or a month and a half from now uh and then after that i would really like to tour it now whether that's going to be just virtual tours like people have been doing where they do a kexp tiny uh, or npr tiny desk from home or something like that or whether it's actually touring somehow, um, or whether it's me literally just taking a van and going to cities and busking my album, because if that is the only possibility, then I will do it. Um, but but uh, that's that's what we'd like to do in the near future. In the in the further future, I'd be I'm aiming to get my music onto uh, shows and films. Because uh, like you said, and thank you for that, uh, the cinematic aspect of my music, uh, I think would work very well in, in a bunch of shows, basically, that's got anything historical about it or anything sort of eerie about it. Uh, and uh, hopefully doing a lot more live shows. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, for example, with some people just in the Netherlands of actually just going to their shop that's closed because we're in a lockdown and playing in their shop, yeah. but doing like a live gig in their shop with no one and then letting the passers-by watch, of course, uh, but also, uh, but also recording that and then putting that out for people to see. Uh, so that there's an element of, you know, change and cycling it up a little bit as well there uh, for people to feel like they're in different venues or, you know, whatever. Yeah, cool. I think um, I've seen a few kind of smaller venues and like you say, like record stores and things doing that kind of thing. Yeah. I, 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 I like that because, uh, I mean, they're closed anyway. So, you know what what what's going to happen um and and 
for, for the musician, it gives you a chance to get still to the ears of the local people who might be going to that coffee store, uh, record shop, uh, you know, um, venue that's been closed for the past nine months or whatever. Um, so, so that it's, it's always an, an amazing opportunity because even if you're not playing to people in person, you're still playing within their like vicinity. And I, I think that just purely based on the way that social media tend to work these days, there is going to be like your people are going to see you first or sooner in their stories on Instagram and, and what have you simply because you're in closer proximity to them. So, so there, that gives you an element as well as the artist of change and of seeing new scenery, which is one of the fun parts about touring. anything else you wanted to ask Grant? Um, I think we've kind of covered it um, just off the back of the stuff that Van's kind of been speaking about. I was quite interested in I suppose the decision to go with Vantastic other that sorry rather than your birth name and whether that maybe gave you a bit more creative freedom or if you felt as if it gave you a bit more creative freedom. Um I've always wanted, <laughs> um, as uh, I don't know, dumb as this makes me sound, I've always loved uh, the, the pen names of writers and poets. Um, and, and you know, D D David Bowie uh, and all of these people who have names that could, they could be, they could be real. You know, his last name could be Bowie. There, there have been guys called Bowie, but he's from buttfuck nowhere in Britain. So he's probably not called Bowie. Um, uh, and uh, you have all of these artists or, or, or especially writers and poets from sort of the like 17th, 18th, 19th, uh, no, 17th and 18th centuries who used uh, pen names, you know, uh, 
and and in and in France, a lot of the writers that I I grew up reading for for school purposes were you know uh, were the were those kind of writers because the the ideas that they were exhibiting uh, were were not acceptable basically to uh, to the uh, direction the regency of the country and so uh, to avoid themselves uh, to avoid putting themselves at risk they came up with names like Voltaire. Um, he's the only one who I think I'm, or who I'm sure had a pen name, uh, out of, out of the sort of enlightenment writers of that era of that 17th century. Um, but then you also have, uh, that history in, uh, in music, like I was saying, and, and in acting, um, a lot of actors nowadays have these names, which are, they're pretty plausible, but they're still a little weird, you know? Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but but I, I know that a lot of actors' names are a creation to to not have to use their real name and to sort of have a persona without having so much of a persona. Uh, for me, Fantastic was actually a nickname that I kind of created off the back of the whole uh, like goth slash scene kid culture type thing way back in the days of MySpace. <laughs> um and um i started calling myself fantastic for you know shits and giggles basically like there there was no particular reason uh there were a lot of people within that community who gave themselves vaughn or van names um and i suppose it was a little bit of a mockery of all of their silly names because calling yourself von gore uh well that's very clever. Congratulations. You know, I thought that fantastic was a little more fun. Um, and it, and it made, it made me think of, of, uh, more of the, the like cabaret acts of, of the, of the like 1900s, uh, and, and how people like, um, good God, what's her name? Dita Van Tees, okay. uh, clearly, clearly a stage name, but a very good one considering that she's a pinup and, uh, you know, uh, a cabaret dancer. So yeah. that's kind of where it came from. And then uh, it just uh, felt right. Um, it, it also looked amazing when I came up with any, because I designed the logo myself. So any kind of logos that I was working on for various reasons. Um, also, it seemed the most sensible to go with VT because of the, the strong look of the V and then the cross within it. Um, CF, or CAF didn't look as, uh, you know, didn't look as fun basically. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much why it stuck. Fair enough, man. It makes sense. Um, we've got a mutual friend who had the, the pleasure of moving in Robert Zimmerman, um, who is of course, Bob Dylan. Yeah. 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 Either. Yeah. There's a long tradition of that, that type of thing happening. Absolutely. That's great. mate. Wait, moving him in. How do you mean? Um, he was part of a removal company. He's working for a removal company. Oh. <laughs> in Scotland? In Scotland. Yeah, I don't know if he still has it, but Bob Dylan at one point had a house, um, a holiday home in, oh, what's it called again? It's near Aviemore. Nethie Bridge? Nethie Bridge. That's not, is that Edinburgh? That's not Edinburgh. No, that's up in the Cairngorms. Right. Okay, yeah. Uh, haven't been to the Cairngorms much, to be perfectly honest. So I'm gonna claim uh, claim ignorance here, <laughs> plead the fifth. Uh, but yeah, that, that that's uh, 
yeah, Bob Dylan is an amazing example, actually, of that. But his his name is just a little more uh, realistic, I suppose, sounding than than fantastic. Um, although I have had people who were who were silly enough to think that that was an actual last name. Um, and and I both enjoyed that and then derided them heavily for thinking that was ever going to be someone's last name. And that, that might have been a little cruel of me retrospectively. Um, but, but, uh, but it was funny at the time. <laughs> Did they address you as Mr. Fantastic or Mr. Tastic? Uh, no, no, no one's, no one's ever addressed me as, as Mr. <laughs> Fantastic because then I would have just broken into Shaggy. Um, but, um, nah, uh, it, ha- it happened with once or twice with people that I, uh, I, knew in uh in oxford and and in london and they just never really questioned it uh and uh and when it came up in conversation eventually i i i sort of said wait you 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 genuinely thought that my real last name was fantastic um and uh and they were like they 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 said they did and so at that point i uh i thanked them i laughed and i told them my real name so I think I was fairly gentlemanly about the whole thing, but it was still pretty funny. Yeah. Cool. But unfortunately, yeah. no one's ever called me Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> Here's your dry cleaning, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, no, I, the, no, that's never happened. <laughs> but I did get used to get called Chris Fantastic a lot when I did performances and, and I, I, I I don't like that. I I'm just I'm just fantastic. Uh, the 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 name is. I mean, there's there's bands that have been van bands. Obviously, a big one that we all know of, who one of who whose members died recently. Um, but then there's there's uh, what is that other band that everyone sort of? Uh, oh, Van Fleet, Greta Van Fleet. You know. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, there's and there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of bands that have used the Vaughn or the Van in some way, shape, or form. Um, Towns Van Zant, but I think that was his actual real name. Um, living in the Netherlands now, I, I I I get a feel for what sounds realistic in Dutch and what doesn't. Um, but but uh, yeah, no, it was it was basically just a, a little bit of a a joke and a pen name and and something to 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 mess around with. Uh, I've never been so clever as to take my my letters and put them in an anagram from my name or something. I'm uh, I'm not that smart. Um, Got to okay. live with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think I think we've asked pretty much everything we were we, we we were looking to ask you. I don't know if there's anything you want to ask us while you're here, or anything you want to um, mention or, uh, at all. Um, um, merch. <laughs> I have merch for anyone who's watching. Uh, I have merch available through my uh, link in my bio on Instagram, which is uh, uh, a little, uh, it's my logo in, in orange at the bottom of the page. And I'm take I'm cycling out the old merch from Ain't No Man With Money and cycling in new designs that I've done for Hangman. The sort of basic black on or white on black hoodies and 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 uh, and tote bags are staying because I want to have something that everyone can have and that's not too uh, you know 
<clears throat> maybe in your face or whatever. I mean, it does say fantastic rather largely on the hoodie, but it's not, uh, you know, like a, a logo printed across that looks like Louis Vuitton or some, some rubbish like that. Um, uh, oh my, okay, cool. Yeah. The camera's still working. Um, and, uh, and hopefully at some point that merch will also involve vinyls, which would be amazing. Or at the very least cassette tapes, if I can't somehow manage to get a good deal on vinyl printing. Uh, and cassette tapes are, I think more of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an, 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 uh, a trinket rather than some, some, something that people will actually use and play. But mm -hmm. I, I like the option of being able to sell that to people. Uh, and I also really like how much tape espouses the type of sound I have, uh, and the type of look I'm going for, because obviously in, within the Gothic, dark world like everyone knows that you're not kvlt enough if you uh or cult enough if you don't uh if you don't have tapes that you make yourself at home uh recorded in your shed in the middle of the norwegian woods or whatever yeah. um so so you know there, there's that element of speaking to the people who are into those dark genres of music and then there's the element of the you know the sort of era in which i was born which still had tapes to some extent um and uh and i there's just something about tapes for me i i just love the sound of them they there there's a there's a, there's always that warmth to the way that they sound uh and 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 a, and a warble that they have that that yeah. like uh it's like a grain it's like it's it's an acquired taste but it always sounds kind of comforting i think um yeah. so yeah I've but th that. That, those were the only things i wanted to mention I've got I've I've got a kind of stupid collection of cassette tapes that I've just been over the last couple of years buying, like you say, sort of novelty, not novelty, but kind of the, the releases that the a lot of bands seem to release things on tape. And I'll just be like, Ram, I'll have that, I'll have that. I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm starting to have way too many. But I think I think you're right. I think your stuff will sound will sound really cool on 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 that kind of with that sort of old tape tape sound i think it'll actually really complement it quite well and a lot of the recordings that were done of this type of music in in the in the eras where there was a boom for it did also involve tape you know like all of the the recording studios back in the 60s the 70s the 80s they were all tape based um and i guess even the 40s and the 50s probably still uh or just at the end of them or whatever but um yeah, I I, 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 I I look forward to hearing what I sound like on a tape because <laughs> I, I just recently bought myself an amp that also has an old uh, an old amp that has a like the possibility of recording uh, songs onto a tape from an auxiliary. Um, okay. So I'm going to do that and see how it works. And if it does, then I'll like, you know, sell tapes from within my coat pockets or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Questions for you guys. Um, how did you find me? Grant will have to answer that because he. Um, I've got. A, I've got a feeling it was through the Facebook algorithm. I think. Oh that, really? Um, the the promo video. Well, I've kind of described it as a promo video where you describe yourself as a cunt fuck. <laughs> That's when. Oh yeah, that one comes out your word comes out your mouth rather. I think. <laughs> That came up on my Facebook feed, and it was really just from there. 
Okay, nice. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah, no, uh, that video uh, got a lot of uh, blowback from uh, less less uh, less open-minded, shall we say, friends, uh, who, uh, especially the Americans, who, uh, who are like, oh, you said cunt. Uh, and obviously, having lived in Scotland for five years, cunt is a term of endearment. Absolutely. Um, but it can also be, obviously, you know, uh, less than endearment. Um, but, and also, uh, because my, my partner is from New Zealand, uh, her and I, um, uh, often use that word as well because the New Zealanders, the Australians, they, they frequently refer to people as cunts in good and bad ways. So I guess I've just been exposed to that word so much that it's lost a little bit of its, uh, zing to it. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I enjoy, I mean, you you got you got the gist of it, and I, when I watched that first video of you guys, I really just loved that you understood, because there's always a little bit of sarcasm in everything I do, because I'm a pretty sarcastic guy, I guess, um, and uh, yeah, so you know, I I don't believe in Morgan Freeman. Clearly, was a reference to the fact that I'm rather not religious, shall we say? Yeah. Um, uh, because let's face it, he was probably the best, the best God that, that anyone has ever done in cinema. Um, and, uh, yeah, then the, the being, the being, I can't even remember what I said, born from a serpent and raised by a goat or conceived by a serpent and born from a goat, I think was, was what I used. Um, my parents got a little upset about that one. And then I told them to take a hike. Um, but yeah, the, I'm I'm glad that that hit home with you because it was it was really just a little bit of fun and to get people sort of to know like the the humoristic me, which which is often what people see in live performances as well. Like I I have nothing against deriding myself. Like it's a it's a it's a pastime that I I I perfected in the UK. Uh, but uh, I I'd al already been exposed to that a lot in the in the French have a very sort of self derisive sense of humor as well. So um, when people see that, I, I, I hope that they can associate with me and realize that it's all a little bit of a joke um, uh, and, and somehow still take my music seriously. I don't know how that works, but that's just, uh, that's just what I put out there. No, it does. I mean, it, does, it works very well. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, how long have you guys been doing this for? Um, it's a year now, isn't it, Snids? Uh, well, it was like September 2019. Okay. Something like that. And we try to do one every month, but it kind of slips quite regularly. So maybe we do one a month and then it might, one might slip into the next month and it just depends how busy we are or whatever but that that's the plan so we've done yeah we've done what is it four, number 14 is the one that's going to go up fairly soon most recently yeah yeah nice cool yeah yeah i really uh i i enjoy uh i enjoy the chats um so so i'm glad to be here thank you for having me glad to have you man yeah i'm glad to have you um all right, well, I think that's us pretty much done then. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us. And um, we're excited to to hear um, 
Hangman and see the video properly on on Friday, and that'll be that'll be awesome. I can. Uh, I'll uh, I'll send you guys a, a, a sneak uh, preview of it, an avant premiere of the um, of the stuff. I have a, a link to the to the unlisted YouTube video. Ah. Uh, so I'll uh, I'll send that over to you guys. Well, right. Well, um, I will uh, I will go. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this is, this has been pretty fun. I, uh, obviously love talking about myself. You know, I'm a, I'm a musician. Uh, so, uh, uh, but thank you for, uh, for having me and thank you for your questions and, uh, and, uh, thank you for discovering me and, and enjoying what I do. Thank you very much for your time, mate. Really appreciate yeah, it. And, and, uh, if I ever, uh, in the in the next uh, you know few years, come back. I'm definitely going to come back to Edinburgh. I don't I don't know why I say if. Let's have a beer. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or or a tea, or you know, if you're if you're <laughs> teetotal, I respect that too. Uh, nah. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So some good craft beer then. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a plan. Definitely. Nice. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for having me. And uh, I look forward to seeing all this in a video. It's not finished. It's finished.